Welcome back to the Innovator Podcast, the female entrepreneur series that dives into the stories of how female founders tackled hardship and difficulties to ultimately find success. My name is Erica Sullivan, and I am the host of the Innovator Podcast, and I'm excited to welcome today's guest, Ashton Hughes. Ashton is a senior at Virginia Tech, majoring in financial planning and services. In addition, she's also my amazing co-CEO for Collegiate Women in Business, or CWIB, at Virginia Tech. She is innovative, articulate, and an amazing advocate for helping women succeed. Last semester, Ashton hosted a workshop with CWIB that blew me away with her knowledge and passion for financial literacy for women. Two minutes into this workshop, I knew I had to have her on this podcast. So Ashton, welcome to the Innovator Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> and we are so excited to have you on today. So my first question, can you take us all the way back? Where do you think your passion for finance, especially financial literacy for women, really stemmed from? Yeah, for sure. So I definitely think it was a passion that has grown over time. It definitely mm -hmm. didn't start out right away. I wasn't even quite sure that I was in the right career path at the beginning. So basically, my family has always been really open with money. It was always a discussion in our household growing up, talking about saving and investing and keeping track of spending and that type of thing. So I was always sort of interested in it. I was always sort of educated on the topic. My family had a financial planner, so I was exposed to that career path. And then when I started looking at what I wanted to study in college, I had no idea, just like a lot of <laughs> young freshmen starting school. And I thought, okay, well, it wouldn't be the worst idea to get a degree in personal finance. I thought, worst case scenario, I'll come out and I'll know how to balance a checkbook and we'll be good. <laughs> so that's kind of what started me down the road. And a lot of the classes I started taking in insurance and taxes, I found really interesting. And I actually started um, with two internships over my sophomore summer and my junior summer. And you could say that they were super, super intense, kind of like drinking out of a fire hose. Um, but I got exposure to so many different types of people, so many different types of stories and personalities and perspectives. And most importantly, I learned a ton. And that's sort of when my interest and my passion really sparked was during those internships. What really ignited my passion for financial literacy on a personal note was this past summer, my grandfather unfortunately passed away, and he and his wife, my grandmother, grew up during a time where financials, uh, personal finances weren't really discussed. They weren't really shared with other people, um, and so they unfortunately had no savings really for any type of retirement. Um, they weren't properly insured life insurance wise. So, you know, unfortunately, without the help of my family, uh, my grandmother would be solely relying on her social security check hmm. to survive, wow. which as many people know is, is not a lot. Mm -hmm. And thankfully she has the support of many friends and family around her. So she's doing all right in a financial sense. But it got me thinking about other people that don't necessarily have that support system and what they would do in that situation. And so that's when I really, really started to get passionate about financial education and financial literacy, especially for people of low income situations and also women in crisis situations. Mm -hmm. So that's what really, really has 
absolutely changed my perspective and made me much more passionate on the issue. I think you brought up something really fascinating that, you know, my family has talked about, too, is my mom always said growing up, I don't know if I should be discussing finances with you guys or not. She she said, I know it's important and like I've heard from people it's important, but I don't want to overwhelm you guys. And the older we've gotten, the more I've said, you know, we need to have these conversations because once I graduate college, what if I've never had a conversation about savings account, about high yield savings account, about, you know, all these crazy things that you think would be kind of self-explanatory until you realize credit cards and everything like that is not something that's very easy to understand. And what many people don't realize in the planning field, we call it a money script. And a money script is basically how our attitudes and behaviors um, towards money are shaped. And a lot of that is during childhood and during adolescency. You know, how did your parents ever fight about money or did you not understand it or did you see a parent lose a job or, you know, going through things like that a lot of people don't realize affect how you view and how you make financial decisions in the future. Mm-hmm. If you guys do not know, Ash and I are both graduating in May from Virginia Tech um, and going, you know, kind of our separate ways to take on our careers. So, Ashton, can you share a little bit more about what you plan to do after graduation? Yeah, absolutely. So my goal is to become a certified financial planner or a CFP. So I'm looking forward to sitting for that exam later this year in 2020, which I'm really, really excited for to kind of get jump started on my career in the financial planning industry. Um, I'll be working at what's called an RIA, which is an acronym for a Registered Investment Advisor. And basically what a financial planner does, for those of you that don't know, there are tons and tons of people out in this world that have under their business card their name and financial planner or financial advisor. Mm -hmm. So it it can be confusing for people. And I'm looking forward to jumpstarting my career and working with others and helping them accomplish their financial goals. So you led an amazing workshop last semester on financial literacy and touched on why financial literacy is so important, especially for women. Can you explain the importance for those who are still struggling really to understand and grasp why it's important? Absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier, this is a huge passion of mine, especially for women and young people. And a a big part of that is because a lot of people don't realize Money trickles into everything. Every decision we make going forward has a financial aspect to it in many cases. Um, And so that's why I feel like it's so important for people to be equipped with knowledge so they can feel confident um, in making those decisions. Especially women, I there was an interesting study that Credit Karma ran um, talking about sort of how the different genders view money and Mm -hmm. their perspectives on it. Um, And it kind of showed that a majority of the women in the study had negative feelings towards money. Hmm. They were overwhelmed. They were much more likely to view their salary number and say, that's not a lot. It's not enough. Uh, Hmm. I don't really have enough for this or that. I just try to make my bills on time. Whereas men were much more likely to associate positive feelings with money. In many cases, money for men is tied to success, Mm -hmm. independence, power, and, you know, that type of thing. A lot of times for women, money can be a sense of safety, security, Mm -hmm. comfort. So in that sense, women take less risky investments than men. Uh, Men have much more money in the stock market than women do. Um, I 
we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but I mentioned in a lot of retirement plans, your much investment portfolios, you're much more likely to see men have much more of their investment portfolio invested in large cap stocks or mm. international stocks. And women are much more likely to keep their investment portfolio in money market funds or cash mm-hmm. uh, because it's much safer. Women are much more likely to purchase a home because the stability. The stability. Yeah. And so therefore, a lot of women have mortgage payments that they're paying off. Um, so women have usually more debt. Women have more student loan debt, hmm. actually, um, across the country. So this is why it's been a really, really important passion of mine, because many women can feel overwhelmed by the thought of money. You know, there was, a, there was actually another interesting study that came out that said women would actually much more uh, would much rather talk about death than they would about money because it's just been drilled into so many of us that it's taboo. It's not yeah. polite to talk about money. It's not ladylike to talk about money. And yeah. that is such a myth that I'm trying to bust, I think, going forward yeah. in my career um, because financial literacy for women really is the gateway to confidence, to mm-hmm. independence, to opportunity. It's huge. So I'm really, really, really passionate about it. I was reading an article, it had to have been probably four or five years now, and it told the story of a woman from two different perspectives, right? The first story told the story of a woman who straight out of college got this amazing job in New York City. And because she got this amazing job, she also got a nice apartment, a brand new car, this and that. And what happened was the apartment was shared with her and her boyfriend and they broke up. And then she didn't know what to do because she had all these payments that now she hadn't accounted for, right? So that was story one. And then story two, instead of getting that nice apartment, you know what? She got one that was a little bit more stable, a little bit better for her um, so that she had time to grow and mature at her company so she was stable. And then instead of buying a new car, she drove the same older car until she knew she was in a good place, you know? So it's so hard, especially for women, because you don't want your finances to be dependent on a man. Like, I know that I don't want to sound, like, negative. A man is not a plan. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what we like to say. Um, no, it's absolutely true. And that's where um, you see a lot of women, usually the time that most women come to a financial planner is if they've been widowed or if they're mm-hmm. going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. That's where if you see a woman come to a financial planner, that's the majority of the situations that it's going to be in, a huge life change mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And that's why it's so important that if you are in a relationship, that whoever it is, that you and your partner are on the same team mm-hmm. and that you're budgeting together and you have the same long-term goals. It's great to have individual passions, individual hobbies, mm-hmm. but you've got to be on the same long-term financial goals mm-hmm. and you've got to be financially transparent. Um, and, you know, that's huge. We've, you know, I've talked about this a little bit, that there's a reason that money is one of the number is the number one cause for a divorce. Yes. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the lack of transparency. Um, and, you know, a word for that is financial infidelity hmm. is a very, very real thing. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. Hiding. I mean, even the small things, you know, the woman buying shoes and taking it into <laughs> her house and hiding it, you know, under the bed or <laughs> um, or to, to bigger situations. You know, there's gambling, hidden gambling addictions. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, people that rack up debt, credit card debt that their spouse or their partner isn't aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, That's huge. So it it is so important. It's also important for women to talk about money in the workplace.
space. Mm-hmm. Talk about how much you're making. It should be an open conversation. You know, take your coworker out to lunch. Talk about, you know, where you guys are at in your career path, what it's been like financially. Because it is true, like what I said, is it really is the gateway to confidence and independence. There are a lot of college-age women who listen to this podcast and are really unsure of the best steps that they can take while in college to create financial stability. So what are your best tips college-age women can use to educate themselves like right now? So the best things they can do at this stage of their life. Absolutely. That's a great question um, and something that I love to talk about. So just to kind of put the preface on this. Financial literacy is so important because it takes us from surviving to thriving, okay? So I don't want that young woman who's just graduating college, who has student loan debts to pay off. If she has a car payment, she's got a rent payment now for an apartment. It can be debilitating in a lot of cases and so, so stressful. And you're trying to handle all of that while also trying to get your career off Mm -hmm. the ground. And so that's why I want to equip especially young women, but really young people in general, with the education to just get jump started. It doesn't have to be super complex. It can be just little simple things that really make a difference because knowledge is huge. Knowledge is power, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in this situation. And knowledge is confidence. If you're confident with how you're handling your money decisions at the very beginning, it's going to change your entire perspective. So just to get started, the very first thing that you can do to kind of set you on the right path is just start keeping track of your expenses. Start keeping track of what you're spending money on. You know, how much do you make compared to how much do we spend at Mm -hmm. the mall or getting our nails done or, you know, more important things like, you know, gas or rent or utilities and things like that. A lot of people in this country have no idea what they spend in a month or even a week sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really important to just kind of start keeping track of where you're at. Um, And that'll help you kind of create your own budget. There are a lot of great budgeting apps that you can have on your phone or websites. I know Mint is a great one. Every Dollar is another app. Um, You can also just create your own on Excel or on a spreadsheet. We'll put all these in the show notes. You guys can just click through it and um, get all these resources that Ashton's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And so I would say that is a first great step. Even if it's just on a piece of notebook paper, just every week, just start Mm -hmm. logging kind of where, where you're spending your money, what your purchases are. And, you know, just like I mentioned earlier, that knowledge is the first step to power and confidence. Mm -hmm. You know know where you're at. You can know where you need to go. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely the first step. And then the second step, I would say, is building up some cash reserve or getting an emergency fund going. That is a great next step for young people just starting out. And what I did, I know when I had my first uh, job in college and I was starting to keep track of my expenses and things like that. And I said, okay, but what if my car, what if my brakes go out? Mm -hmm. What if something happens and, or what if my computer dies or crashes? Mm -hmm. Um, So this is why it's really, really important to start building up a little bit of cash. And so I would get my paycheck every two weeks and I just started putting 50 bucks Mm -hmm. into my bank account every, without just even seeing it. And that was really, really helpful. Ideally, you want to put at least 10% of your uh, paycheck that you get into some kind of savings account. Now, I was doing a lot more than that because, as you can imagine, a part-time job Mm -hmm. on campus is, 
you know, not that great. So I was putting about 25% of my paycheck into an emergency savings fund or a savings account. And so that's even if you can just put a little bit at a time, just say, okay, every mm-hmm. time I get my paycheck, I'm going to start out and I'm just going to put $30 in, mm-hmm. in the savings account every single time and just start building that up. And that's that's definitely a top recommendation for me. And where you can put this money, a lot of us have savings account or checkings accounts that we may have opened up in high school or middle school, that type of thing. Um, those sort of brick and mortar banks are great. You know, Wells Fargo, BB&T, um, they all have their you know, pluses and conveniences to them. But what I would recommend, especially as, you know, in this technology age and um, something that's really popular with millennials and and Gen Zers is um, what's called a high-yield savings account. And usually you'll find these at online banks. So what that means is you don't actually go to the bank to, you know, deposit your check or to take a withdrawal or something like that. It's all online. But because these banks don't have as much overhead, usually they can give you a much higher interest rate on your account. And what that means is when you put your money into a savings account, so let's say I've got $1,000 in a savings account at Wells Fargo. Well, Wells Fargo, the last time I checked, has a super, super low interest rate of 0.01%. So that means if I had $1,000 in my savings account, at the end of the year, I would have gotten $1 from Wells Fargo. We love that. (laughs) If I had my $1,000 at an online bank, Ally Bank, for example, is one of those. Um, The last time I checked their interest rate, it was at 1.8%. So that means I'd get $18 at the end of that year. Now you think if you start building your money, that's a huge difference. And especially if it's for something like emergency savings, you don't need to be dipping into it all the time. And even if you do need to get money out, online and technology these days, it's so easy to make transactions and transfers. So that's definitely another thing I recommend is is getting that emergency savings going. So after the workshop, I immediately went home and created one of these accounts. And I'm not kidding you guys. It took me five minutes, five minutes to create this bank account to link my current savings account and transfer it over. And I've already made more having money in there for three months than I would within three years of where it was currently being held. And one other tip I wanted to talk about might be a little bit controversial. I'm going to use a very scary phrase to a lot of people, and that's called credit cards. Uh, But they're really not uh, a super scary thing if you're really educated on them. And so this is where money attitudes and money behavior is really, really important because A credit card is not for everybody, but if you can handle it and you can use them to your advantage, they're a great resource. So for example, I know a couple years ago, I probably could not have have handled a credit card. Um, I probably would have, I would have forgotten to pay the balance. I would have lost track of what I was spending. Probably wasn't the best idea for me. But a big myth about credit cards is that they're horrible, they're bad, they're wrong to have, in my opinion. In my opinion, if you're using them as a debit card with small balances, like, a, you know, I know people that use credit cards just for their telephone bill or just for their cable bill. If you have a card that has no annual fee, which an annual fee for listeners that aren't aware is basically a fee that you pay every year to essentially just have the card. So, for example, the credit card that I have has no annual fee. So I can put really low balances on there because it's free for me to have the card. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I never spend more than what I budget out each month. And then early on, I pay the full balance off every month. 
And that is what you want to do if you have a credit card, because then you can start to build your credit credit score, um, which will help you get good rates on your mortgage or on a car payment or other things like that, if, or if you're able to rent a car from a rental car agency or things like that. So for our listeners, I kind of want to talk about the four myths that I have for credit cards and then what you should do. So the first is that credit is evil and bad and horrible to have. Now, this myth applies to different people. For example, if you have got 15 credit cards open at, you know, all of your favorite stores and all of these things, close them out. Yes, you're going to have a ding on your credit score, but it's not worth having all these credit cards open that you've lost track of and that who knows could be building interest right now. You need to close these credit cards and pay off whatever you have on them. And then also, you know, bring it down to one account. Um, Another myth is that credit cards are for purchasing things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. So essentially Mm -hmm. the phrase of plastic money. They are not. I use a credit card for small things, small bills, that kind of thing, just like I would my debit card. Uh, Another myth is that you should just pay the minimum payment each month and carry a balance to build your credit score. This is a huge myth for our young listeners that are listening um, and something that uh, the credit card companies who love to target their ads and marketing towards young people try to sort of convince you. Now, for those that don't know what a credit card balance is, is let's say that you spend $100 on your credit card for that month. Well, when you go to go online and pay your payment, it might say, okay, the minimum payment for this month is $10. You only have to give us $10 for your credit card to be paid. And what that means is that $90 then rolls over to the next month and is now building interest. So my advice is to never carry a balance on your credit card. You shouldn't be paying for it in the first place if you can't pay it off. Absolutely. Always pay off your credit card bill in full every month. I pay mine off actually at the first available payment date. Um, So I even pay mine off early, um, which is good. Just put in your calendar and that's how you responsibly have a credit card. Um, And the other myth is that credit card debt isn't a big deal. It is a huge deal. This type of debt usually has the highest interest rates, means that the debt is really expensive to have. And it is probably one of the number, you know, a top cause for sending people into bankruptcy, emotional distress, fights. I cannot emphasize how important it is to stay out of credit card debt. So what should our young listeners do? The first is do your research. Research different cards. If you're going to open a credit card, There are many companies that have student cards that start, Discover is a great one that starts you off with lower limits. And then also, you know, I'm not, when I'm talking about going and opening a credit card, I'm not talking about going to Loft or Nordstrom (laughs) or Sephora and opening your credit card there. I'm talking about find a good student credit card with no annual fee, a low APR, which is an annual percentage rate or the interest rate that if you didn't pay your your balance off, which none of us are going to do, you know, that that would roll over for. And then, you know, a lot of college students travel abroad, especially in 
our 20s and things like that. It's very common to travel. So look for a card that has no foreign transaction fees and things like that. So the biggest thing is just research, research, research. There's tons of resources out there that can educate you on picking the right credit card. But the biggest lesson here is credit is not evil. You know yourself. And that that's the biggest thing is self-reflection. And, you know, credit cards are not for everybody, but they're a great resource that you can use to your advantage if they're treated and handled responsibly. So another thing I really knew we had to talk about today is 401ks and Roth IRAs. So in the workshop, you talked about the difference between the two. So can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of us that are just graduating college or just starting our first job are immediately going to get these benefits package that talk about open enrollment and investment portfolios and 401ks and that type of thing. And it can be extremely overwhelming if you aren't equipped and know how to handle all of it. So I want to talk about probably the most popular offered plan um, by employers, which is a 401k. A 401k is what's called a defined contribution plan that your employer sponsors. So what that means is these plans are designed for retirement. So usually these plans will be held at your company. You can have a certain amount of your paycheck taken out to go to this 401k plan in which you can choose the investments for the plan and that money will grow and then you can take it out and use it for expenses in retirement. Now, why 401ks are very popular is because most of the time, the company will have what's called a company match, which means up to a certain percentage, they might match the contribution that you put into that 401k. So I'll give an example, a super common match that employers Um, that you see a lot with employers are 50% of your contributions up to 6%. So what that means, if you're earning $60,000 at your first job, your contributions, so 6% of your salary would be $3,600. So let's say you're contributing 6%. That means that your company will put $1,800 into that 401k. So that's free money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what's in, that's what's really important takeaway here. If your company offers a match for your 401k, it is so 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 important to take advantage of that because it is like I said, free money. So just to give you a little bit more background about how a 401k works, this money comes straight out of your paycheck as a contribution. So if I make $50,000 and I say I want 5,000 of it total to come out of my paycheck, then your company will automatically take it out of your paycheck and you won't even see it. So we call that a pre-tax contribution. So that means that these contributions each bi-weekly or monthly or however often you get paid are not taxed when they go into your 401k. And what's great is that if you've invested these contributions, those contributions actually grow tax-free as well. And then you pay taxes when you take the money out for retirement. So 401k plans are are great options. And, and they may be called something a little bit different and have a little bit different rules uh, depending on, you know, if you're working for the government or if you're working as a teacher or for a nonprofit, they may be, you know, 403Bs or called thrift saving plans or, or other uh, different names that have slightly different rules. But for the most part, these are really, really great options to take advantage of at your job. And it's just a matter of sitting 
down, looking at the different investment options, doing a little bit of research and deciding what to put in. That's what I wanted to mention about what you should do when you're starting out your first job. If your company offers a match for your 401k, you want to start out by at least putting up to the match Mm -hmm. in your first job. Like I mentioned before, if my employer matches 50% of contributions equal to 6%, then I want to at least start out by putting in 6% so that I can get the absolute maximum match for my employer so I can get as much free money as possible. And then beyond that, you can start gradually increasing your contributions each year until you max out the contribution limit. That's uh, definitely my recommendation there, and 401ks are a great, great resource to save for retirement. Now, you mentioned also a Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. These are so, so popular for young people, and they're great. Now, the taxation of the Roth IRA Mm -hmm. kind of works almost opposite of that of a 401k, and in that, these are after-tax contributions. This is money that you have received after taxes have been taken out of your paycheck, and you put that money in. Now, and you can invest it over multiple, multiple different options, and that money also grows tax-free. And then when you take it out to use it on retirement expenses, it is tax-free. That's sort of the taxation of a Roth IRA, and IRA stands for an individual retirement account. So this is another account that's meant for retirement, and Roth sort of speaks to the different taxation of it. Now, these are awesome for young people because of the taxation that I mentioned. A lot of us are going to be starting out in perhaps a lower tax bracket than we may be in in 30 years. And so that's why it's really, really important to start investing in this Roth IRA now because we're paying the taxes on our contributions now. Whereas later down the road, and we want to take the money out, we don't have to pay taxes when we're in a in a higher tax bracket. And also Roths really are just great, great resources. They have a huge wide range of investment options. Um, they usually have low account minimums, low fees. I can't, I can't recommend them enough, especially for young people. And the biggest thing is too, to have a Roth, you actually, to be able to take withdrawals out, you have to at least hold it for five years, regardless of how old you are, to avoid taxes and penalties. And so that's why it's just important. Just get that clock started now. There are many Roths out there that'll allow you to put in 50 bucks a month, 20, you know, 25, $30 a month, just to get it started. Um, and that's that's a great, great account for young people to use. So I encourage you to look for a Roth account that has low fees, low account minimums so that you don't have to put in a lot of money. Great examples to go check out. Vanguard has great options. Betterment has great options that are really, really cheap. It's super easy to open, as easy as opening a checking account. And it's a great way to start practicing investing and start practicing budgeting automatic savings. It is, it's awesome. And it is important to start saving in a Roth IRA as a young person because they do have certain contribution limits when you make over a, a certain amount of income. And so, you know, there, there are other strategies to sort of take on that as well. But they do have certain restrictions when it comes to con- contributing if you're at a high income. So that's why it's really, really important to just start now. And I know a lot of you might be listening and thinking, okay, yeah, but I'm 22, 23, 24, you know, whatever it is, why do I need to start thinking about what my retirement is going to look like? That is like forever away. Now this we may have heard in our third grade civics class talking about compound interest, but it is so, so important. Time is everything and giving your investments time to breathe, time to ride the market. It is 
great. And it gives you a little bit of discipline and habits. It lets you get ahead of all of your peers. And it really takes a lot of stress off of you to know that you have this nice nest egg for retirement as a 25, a 30, a 35 year old. So getting started now is really, really great. I definitely encourage all of the young people listening that when you start your first job, you really start contributing to that 401k and you do start looking at opening up a Roth IRA as well. Kind of switching gears a little bit. One of the things we've bonded on since the first time we met, but we really bonded on being a champion for other women. So why do you think it's important for women to be cheerleaders for others? Oh my gosh. Well, how long is this podcast supposed to be? (laughs) Um, Yes, Erica and I have had many, many conversations over really the past four years about why it's important to build a network of driven, ambitious, kind women Mm -hmm. to be around. That is why it is so, so important to be as equipped as you can when it comes to financial decisions, you know, bringing it back to that, because then you can go and share, you know, your Mm -hmm. advice and share what you're doing with other women. You know, we see and we talk to so many women every single day in collegiate women business. A lot of them are, are younger and just starting out in college and are so nervous about the different paths that they're on. They're so nervous that if they don't get the one, you know, the one interview from the one company that they don't know what they're going to do and their entire plans are ruined. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just feel like society has just pigeonholed these poor women into thinking that they should have one route, they have one plan, and if it doesn't work out the way they want, then there is no other plan. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true at all. And so our goal really for CWIB, but really just in college in general, is to try to empower women as much as possible to feel bold, to feel adventurous. You don't have to wait until the online resume application pops up. You can email that recruiter straight out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can walk up to that professional and ask them to lunch and ask them for advice or hop on the phone with a boss of a really big company mm-hmm. and ask him what advice he, want, he or she wants to give you. And so I think that's been our biggest goal. It is so, so important to be a champion for other women because when other women succeed, we succeed too. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really important to keep in mind. And, you know, I think it was uh, Busy Phillips, the actress, who, Mm -hmm. you know, made this comment. She said, you know, men have have the boys club and they're talking and, you know, we should too. Like we should be talking to (laughs) each other. It'll be a wine night. (laughs) Right. Exactly. We should be talking to each other about, you know, whether it's financial decisions or financial education. We should be talking to each other about salaries or career goals or ambitions. You know, just the other night we had a meeting with Collegiate Women in Business where we heard a bunch of members stand up and talk about their passions. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible. I mean, we heard a story of a girl who wants to start her own equestrian center and run it. And we heard from another girl who wants to build and run her own mental health hospital. That was incredible. Um, Yeah. And it's just like, I think the biggest thing that we don't do is we're so focused on our own plans and our own endeavors and our social media and trying to get to the next day, the next week that we don't actually ask people around us like Mm -hmm. what each other's passions are and what we're interested in. And I mean, that's how this whole podcast came to be is, you know, Erica took a second to ask me about my passions and 
this is what it's led to. And I think that's really important for women is just talk to each other, ask each other questions, learn from each other, you know, be comfortable in the I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, That was something that I wanted to kind of talk about earlier when I was talking about my, my internships. When I first started out and I was a freshman in college, I was so scared to be wrong Mm -hmm. or to sound stupid or to ask a dumb question. My, my boss in my first internship would come up to me. Actually, I'll give a funny example. I was sitting, sitting in his office and he said, oh, you know, we're doing, and we're looking at investments in secondary markets. And I said, okay. And he said, do you know what secondary markets are? And I said, um, yeah, I do. I do. And he said, okay, what are they? Oh gosh. (laughs) And I had no idea. And That was such a huge, even though it was, yes, it was a little embarrassing at the time. He was very, very kind about it. And I got such a huge lesson in being so comfortable in the I don't know because you learn so much faster Mm -hmm. that way. And I joke about it all the time that now... I've I've grown a lot since that freshman year and you know now when I'm sitting in a class or if I'm working at a job I'm the first person to raise my hand to say I have no idea what's going <laughs> on or I really need help. Yeah. Um and I think that's that's a big struggle for women is asking for help. Oh my god, um, absolutely. I remember thinking in high school I really struggled in math. Always did. It's just not my subject. And I used to think because I didn't understand it, it meant like I was dumb, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't think, oh, go ask your teacher to teach it to you again. You know, I didn't take advantage of these opportunities because I'm like, oh, no, everyone else understands it. So it's my fault for not understanding it. Mm -hmm. And I can name so many women in my life who felt this exact same way with whatever it is. Absolutely. And, you know, I talked a little bit about how I didn't quite know if I was on the right career path at first. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that had to do with because I think, you know, for I'm speaking for myself at least, but I feel like it might be true for a lot of other people, especially young women, is the reason I thought that I wasn't on the right career path was because there was so much information and so much knowledge that I didn't know. And because that was so scary to me, I thought, oh, I don't I don't like it. Hmm. I don't like this career path. And, you know, looking back and, and kind of reflecting on that, I'm realizing it had nothing to do with the career path, which now I love and am so excited for. It was the fact that I was so scared of not knowing yeah. and just not having the right answers to people that that almost scared me out of this career path in general. Yeah. And so and that's why we'll talk about it, too, is you know, I'm still learning every single day. Everything that I've talked about on this podcast might not be perfectly well-spoken or or well-articulated, but I'm excited to, to take this and learn and get feedback and go to the next steps and go talk to my network and other women and get them to listen to it and say, what can you improve on? Because it's so, so valuable. So I think, you know, that's something that women can definitely, definitely use as a strength is kind of putting our egos to the side Mm -hmm. and saying, where can I improve and how can I learn more? Because I'm telling you, it opens the door so much wider Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be able to see the future. If there's anything that I would want people to take away from this, it's that, you know, it's okay to not know. It's okay Mm -hmm. to ask for help and be proactive and just start each day learning one fact, one Mm -hmm. little thing. And it, it really helps. Absolutely. So on the topic of, you know, staying informed and important resources, what resources do you like podcasts, books, influencers, whatever? What resources do you think college women need to utilize? 
Oh, that's such a good question. So I have so many. Um, I'll just name a few that I've really enjoyed. You know, my one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is the one called So Money by Farnoosh Tarabi, um, just because she really combines elements of personal finance and also she has some really awesome, empowering women and men really on her podcast that talk about all kinds of different topics, ranging from financial independence to charitable giving to real estate markets to, you know, really anything. So I'm a big, big proponent of her. And she really breaks it down in a really simple way. There are other podcasts out there, Clever Girls Know, Profit Boss, that type of thing. For my readers out there, there are great books. Broke Millennial by Aaron Lowry is a great, great book to get you started. That's a great, great recommendation. There are also, you know, The Latte Factor by David Bach or The Millionaire Next Door, great options. And then also, while it may be a little bit more boring, I do think there is a ton of value in just hopping on the Wall Street Journal or CNBC or Investopedia just to get kind of a feel for what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and let's let's open our horizons and just get a little bit of knowledge about what's going on in the market. There's a great app called The Morning Brew. If you mm-hmm. really want to get your information kind of quick and just get a little a little taste of what's going on in the business industry, The Morning Brew is an app that'll send you an email that just kind of gives you a quick rundown of what's going on. But really what's most important about all those different resources that I mentioned is to listen to listen or read to more than one to get different perspectives. That's huge because many, many cases in financial literacy or personal finance situations is that one size does not fit all. Mm -hmm. You know, credit cards were a great example. Credit cards are great for a lot of people. They're horrible for some people. You know, for example, there I'll I'll use an example that's really popular in, in the personal finance industry. I've listened to many financial experts say that you shouldn't try to pay down your mortgage quicker than what the mortgage term is, like 15 or 30 years. Because the debt on the mortgage is cheaper, like the interest rate is lower than the return that you would get if you invested that money in the stock market. And that that is the mathematical answer. So that's the correct financial answer. And then I've heard other financial experts say, well, no, that's actually, I don't agree with that because paying down your mortgage or not having a mortgage leads to greater flexibility in changing career options or moving or asking for a promotion or negotiating or, you know, changing industries entirely. And then that leads to better long-term return. So it's really important because if I hadn't listened to both those perspectives, I wouldn't be able to look and figure out what the best decision was for me going forward. And so that's another big takeaway is just be open to listening to different perspectives. You're going to get so much different advice from so many people. And it's important to really, really do your research, really understand what's best for you, because what's best for Erica might not be what's best for me and and vice versa. So yeah, I think it's just a matter of really taking your time when it comes to decisions, especially financial ones, and uh, being open and listening to different perspectives. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This was such a good podcast episode. I hope you guys learn so much about finance, 401ks, all that fun stuff. Like I said before, before I had this opportunity to attend this workshop that Ashton led, I thought I knew all this stuff. But really having the opportunity to speak about it and expand my horizons is going to be so beneficial for me moving forward with my career, especially since I'm about to graduate in a couple months. So Ashton, thank you so much for coming on today. You've been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. You are a superstar and I appreciate everything you do. 
Thanks for listening to the Innovator Podcast. For more episodes, please subscribe and share this podcast with others. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star review. And we'll see you next week on the Innovator Podcast.